This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 17th, episode 2678, brought to you today by Kem and Equine. Good morning, horse people. It's Monday. Monday is my favorite time of year. This is Horses in the Morning with your lovable hosts, Jamie Jennings. I am the queen. You listen to me. I'm sorry that people are so jealous of me, but I can't help it that I'm popular. Glenn the Geek. You look especially radiant today, your grace. I'm going to do a terrific show today because I'm good enough and doggone it, people like me. Happy Monday. Jamie, there was a race over the weekend. Do you want to hear it? I would love to. It was so good. Line, we're ready for the start. They're off in the Britness. And Medina Spirit broke very well again today. And so did Midnight Bourbon. And so the two of them are right together in concert tour is third on their outside as they race by us the first time. A very headstrong French Godet Ina is next. Then crowded. By the way, if they'd finish right now, might try And then on Bridal Honor, and the early trailer is Keep Me in Mind. I don't have that as works. the Derby winner, <laughs> Medina Spirit, leads them through this first quarter mile. I'm so excited. And the clubhouse turn, that first quarter was 23 and 3 fifth seconds. And the lead is just a half a length. On the outside... Midnight Bourbon continues to press the pace in second as they go to the backstretch. These two are one-two. Then on the inside comes Crowded Trade, and on the far outside, Concert Tour is two and a half lengths behind as they continue through this half mile in 46.93 seconds. So Medina Spirit's the leader. He's off the rail, though, and France Godeina has slipped through on the inside. The horse from Japan is only a neck back. Midnight Bourbon is next, and then Rombauer, who's close up, and on his outside comes Concert Tour. So they make their way around the far turn. Medina Spirit and John Velasquez have the lead. As Arad Ortiz and Midnight Bourbon continue to press, three quarters and one ten point nine seven seconds. France Godeina starts to retreat. Rombauer grabs third. Concert Tour comes up on the far outside, but he's not keeping up at this stage. Midnight Bourbon! Grabs the lead from Medina Spirit, and they're stride for stride, and they're into the stretch. Medina Spirit fights on on the outside midnight bourbon. Rambauer is rolling up to them, coming by the eight pole. It is now Rambauer storming to the front, taking over from midnight bourbon. Medina Spirit has dropped back. Keep me in mind is fourth. Rambauer and Flavian Pratt win the Preakness, pulling away by four on the wire. My gosh, that horse came out of nowhere. It was so exciting. It was exciting. It was exciting to see that horse. And he looked littler than the other two when he was caught. I don't know if he is, but he looked smaller than the other two coming up. 
boy, those other two had were just going at it from 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 start to finish, and then right there at the end, he faded yeah. away. Medina's drugs were off, and he faded off into existence. It, <laughs> so I was talking to my sister in law, who's a yeah. doctor, and I was just we were describing picograms, and she's trying to explain it to me. A picogram is like one one thousandth of a milligram. And a milligram is a thousandth of a gram. So we're, I mean. Yeah, Bob Baffert basically said, you know, nobody was believing him because nobody believes him right now. But he basically said, this is not enough to do anything to anybody or horse. (laughs) Well, it certainly didn't make him win the race. Granted, (laughs) you're an idiot because you're putting topical medications on your horse or your staff is. So that was really stupid. But yeah, it was just really good to have that kind of off the off the table. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I was so happy, actually, when he lost because it was like, oh, you know, because then we have him get eliminated if he does from from Triple Crown running anyway, if they take the Kentucky Derby away from him. And then going into the Belmont, it just makes a mess. So yeah. uh, this way, there's less of a mess. Do you know this horse was 12 to 1 or 11 to 1? Rumbauer was 11 to 1, paying 26.50 to win, uh, 10 to place and 520 to show. So paid pretty well. Yeah, and, and I was reading an article about Ron Bauer, and they actually the owners were slated to sell him in a sale last year. They were aiming for the yearling or two-year-old sale, and uh, because of COVID, and they said it was a slowdown in business in the horse racing industry. So their um, operator advised them to wait and said, you know, just start <laughs> running him and see what happens, and maybe he'll sell after he runs a few races. Well, he'll sell now. <laughs> He'll, he'll sell now. <laughs> yeah, I they like the fact that this was individual owners and not a big conglomeration, right? Uh, yeah, this this is like a couple of just a small breeding operation. Yeah. So it's John really and Diane Fradkin, apparently. So yeah, it just wasn't one of the big farms. I was so happy to see that. Yeah. Uh, well, this <laughs> is good. I think this was a good turnout or a good result of the weekend. Do you know what is is potentially a good result slash not a good result? Uh-oh. What? <laughs> I because I got all like horse racing fever on Saturday because it was such an exciting race. It was really fun to watch. I turned on my TV on Sunday yesterday because I had a couple hours to kill. Between it was a it was just like complete rain here yesterday. So I just had to stay inside. So I turn on TV and I go to the horse racing channel. I I don't know if it's TVG. I don't, I don't know what channel I was on because we got this new TV system through YouTube TV or some garbage like that. I don't know. Uh, one of those apps. And I started watching Belmont. And do you guys remember that there is a, there is a website called Equibase, which is how I read and check all the horses that come in. I see all the race history and all the things. And so I started looking at these horses and there was a horse. Oh my God. He was so beautiful. And his name was Color Me Pazzi, P-A-Z-Z-I, Color Me Pazzi. And he was beautiful and he was black and he was in the claiming race. And oh my God, I just, I was like, that's, that is the most beautiful thoroughbred I've ever seen. And on Equibase, you can put these horses in your quote, <laughs> virtual stable. How many did you do on Saturday? <laughs> I now have Color Me Posse, Digital Software, Iron Giant, and Molino. <laughs> and the, the sad thing is I cheer for them to not win because like if I put in my virtual stable and they, it'll show you like when they race or when they work out or if they're not doing anything, you can contact the trainer, the owner and just be like, hi, I think it's so pretty. Um, so I put the, those four and then color me posse one, 
Digital <laughs> software came in second behind Molino. <laughs> and I think I've got a good shot at Iron Giant. <laughs> he didn't do too much yesterday. But of course, the ones I thought were the prettiest, which usually if I think they're the prettiest, that means they're dead last because they look like sport horses, yeah, not right, race right, horses. Not race horses. And you're yeah. pretty good if they're running in claimers. You're not so good if they're running in stakes races. So, yeah, yeah, not yeah. so good. These were all claimers, okay. but then they were all won. So now they're going to move up to allowance races and then stakes races, all of the things. <laughs> but at any rate, If you Chad hadn't Brown, put your name in, they would have lost. They I know. Lost. Yeah. Chad Brown is going to get a couple of calls from me because he, <laughs> he trains Molino and digital software and I'm going to need, I'm going to need me some digital I software. I'm sure he'll be calling you right back on this. I, I'm sure he will. Yes. I'm sure he will. Well, Julie Fershman's coming up today. She's our kind of resident lawyer here and she wrote a book called Equine Law and Horse Sense and she's going to answer some listener questions. A very interesting one about barn. Oh, it's so stressful. This bar- is so yeah, stressful. Yeah, this was an interesting one. This is why we got her on. It was about barn and horse liability, and we're going to talk about that. And it ba- and everybody that boards wants to listen to this conversation. Uh, plus, Deanne from Horse Nation is going to come up, and she's going to teach, or she's going to talk about teaching your child sportsmanship. And I want to hear that conversation between the two of you, because you both have kids that, you know, are, are having to deal with that now. And some of your questions. I'll just tell you right now, my angel problems. baby never loses. He's perfect. <laughs> and well, actually, the article we're going to talk about is how you should let them lose. I uh, know. So that's going to be interesting. And then a question first world problems, apparently y'all still have some. So we're going to talk about that as well. But first, we have some daily winnies to get to. Thank you. Thank you, Daily Winnie Machine. Well, we have some birthdays. Let's see if that works any better. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday to you. <laughs> we have some auditor birthdays today. Carissa Renee, Rachel Walker, Catherine Cook, and Electro Weeks. Also, Jamie, you'll be happy to know. We have some new auditors, too. Diana Stuckey, Sarah Summers, and Kaylee, uh, Kaylin Schildmeyer. I think I might yeah. got that one right. Uh, so ha- or, welcome to all of you. Thank you so much for supporting us here at the Horse Radio Network. We really appreciate it. Man, I had some really good news, and it, uh, now I know why she did it, because it's her birthday. Uh, uh, no, this is the new auditor. Sorry. Uh, we have an adoption alert. Uh, for those who remember, I had a horse come in for training that an auditor ended up pre-purchasing, and he had this weird lump on his leg, and it turns out that well, last he— Last we knew on the show, he was going to go for surgery. Yes, he's going in for surgery. You're right. Let me back up a little more. But uh, going in for surgery, and so all of the the, the pre-purchase vet sent all of the X-rays, radiographs over to the surgeon, and the surgeon said, "Hmm, you know what? Don't actually need surgery. He just needs about thirty days stall rest. It was a like a, a fracture." Surgeon said they don't need surgery. Yeah. Wow. Go figure. <laughs> um, no, he's, he's a great, he's like super like well-known surgeon. And he looked at it and he said, this horse just could use 30 days stall rest. So I went back to the pre- people did the, the pre-purchase and they passed mm-hmm. and um, somebody else stepped up. Diana Stuckey, our new auditor stepped up and oh, she says, I want that horse. Yeah. So she, now this beautiful, lovely three-year-old 
is going to get this, Glenn, Norco, California, where he's going to go be a trail horse through oh, the streets perfect. of Norco. That's Yay! Perfect. It's and fantastic. Diana, if you don't know, we were invited out to Norco early days, probably second or third year into this show for a whole week. We did our shows yeah. out there. We rode around town. We did all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it was um, really fun. We were the Norco's celebrity really marshals cool. in their parade. I mean, it was it was good. We, we had a good time out there. Good job, Diana. See now, she, so let's get this right. She she donates a little bit of money every month, and now it's going to cost her a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, I, I think that the shipping the horse to California and Brendan Nellums could tell us about this because she did it too. Shipping a horse to California actually costs more than the adoption. Of the horse. All the horses (laughs) at Horse and Hound are $1,000 no matter what. So that's a pretty good price for a for a nice, lovely sport horse. But I've told her, I was like, it's going to need 30 days stall rest. She's like, that's fine. I can do it here. You know, what's that's amazing that somebody is willing to take a horse in that she knows has issues and she's still willing to do it and do the rehab and, and be a good Samaritan there. So good for her. I love it. And she gets, she got a darn nice horse. He's so sweet. And that brings so up to sweet. about a hundred horses we donated out to uh, listeners too. So. I know. I love it. I love it. And I've got two more in the wings waiting for theirs. So get in line. All right. I'd good. Like well, let's, let's talk about Kevin. And then I have something that came up in conversation here in the auditor room. Speaking of that, that I was shocked people didn't know about in my equestrian fact of the day. All right. It's no surprise Americans are among the most stressed out people on the planet, and your horse gets stressed out too. Every horse experiences stress caused by things like exercise, environmental conditions like the weather, or their everyday surroundings. Travel causes horses stress too, just like humans. Also, simple diet changes. All of these variables contribute to the stress levels of your horse. And this might also come as a surprise. You can help reduce the negative impacts of stress by feeding your horse chromium every day. By lowering the levels of the stress hormone cortisol and optimizing energy use feeding chromium results in improved body upkeep health performance and overall well-being but this part is important don't just feed any chromium feed your horse the only fda reviewed source of chromium propionate on the market today chemtrace chromium from Kemen. Ask for it by name and stress less. Learn more about chemtrace chromium at kemencom slash chromium eq <laughs> And now it's time for today's equestrian who knew fact of the day. Actually, this is more a who didn't know fact of the day. I thought everybody knew what the ribbons and the tails means uh, when you put a red ribbon in a tail or a yellow one or, or it used to be green and white one too. I thought they all know, everybody in the world knew what that meant, but there was a post on the auditor page where an auditor went to a show, had a red ribbon in the tail, and everybody kept coming up on her in the back. She finally had to leave the warm-up ring because so many people were getting so close to the back of her horse. And then a bunch of people commented that they had no idea what this meant. And I guess if you weren't in the show world or the fox hunting world, you might not know. Uh, so I thought we'd review it today. You want to review what, what all the different colors mean? Let's do. Now, I only, to be completely fair, only knew one of them. But it's the most important one, yes. which is because <laughs> I grew away. up going to <laughs> yeah. little like local horse shows, up downs, you know, where you're trotting around the arena, walk, trot, canter, halt, uh, bag, you know, reverse, walk, trot, canter. And uh, a red ribbon in the tail meant you better stay away from this one because they're going to kick you. <laughs> well, I uh, I knew what all of these meant because I think they were more common way, way back, you know, 30 years ago when I first met Jennifer and started going to horse shows. And I would say, hey, what's that white ribbon mean? What's that one mean? What's that one mean? And I just think that the people kind of got out of using them. Where the ribbon tradition started was in, in England 
during fox hunting time in the 1800s. So that's where this all got started, at least the Red Ribbon. That's where it got started. And up until the time when Jennifer was fox hunting every every week in Massachusetts when we were there, the Red Ribbon was a very common thing. So the Red Ribbon means stay away. My horse is a kicker. Basically, it means if you come up on my horse's tail and your horse gets double planted in the face, that's your problem, not mine, because I warned you with the Red Ribbon. Uh, so if you're in the warm-up ring, like poor Celeste was, and there's a thousand horses in there getting ready for dressage, and you see a red ribbon, that doesn't mean come right up on the butt of my horse. That means just the opposite. So that's what the red ribbon means. Give them a wide berth because you're liable to get kicked. So, again, there were so many people that posted that they had no idea about that. And I guess if you're a trail rider and never came across it, you wouldn't know. But Jennifer said even the trail riders here use the red ribbons. Uh, When she goes out with a group, people know about the red ribbons. I think it would be more important trail riding, right? Because people are usually nose-to-tail trail riding. Well, and the thing, too, uh, one of the other ribbons, the green ribbon, is for a young horse. Which, or I always said for a green horse, but I would always just put it, nobody knew what the green ribbon meant. And so I would always just put a red ribbon in my, in all of my horse's tails, just to be like, just please just stay away. This is a baby. Don't do it. Don't come up on it. So, so that's put another... a green and a red. And that really means stay away. You're... Young kicker. <laughs> and then a white they one. kick really hard. <laughs> So the white ribbon, I knew this, they used to do this in the day when Jennifer was eventing. Uh, A white ribbon means that the horse is for sale. So we used to see white ribbons at the show, and Jennifer said, oh, yeah, that means that horse is for sale, and you can go up and ask him about it. Does anybody do that anymore? No, because I've been at shows, and people just ask about it. Like, it, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But that that's like an advertisement that it's for sale, you know? Yeah. yeah. You see it going around the dressage ring and you go, I really like that horse. You know Do you it's think for that sale. the other horses are like, oh, poor guy? <laughs> <laughs> like his owner's riding him and doesn't even want him. <laughs> making fun of him. I think yeah. they're actually making fun of Do you think they're envious of the red ribbons going, God, I wish I was a kicker? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that poor guy. His mother doesn't even love him. Now, I'm trying to get green, rid of him. So green means young. Yellow means stallion. And did you know that one? I don't think I ever came across a yellow. I don't know. There were never a lot of stallions in the horse shows that I would go to. And you don't see many stallions eventing. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I would always know if it was a stallion because, you know, hmm. it'd be like screaming and big and showing its parts. I don't know. <laughs> So so basically, we have Red Ribbon, everybody stay away. Stallion, uh, mares stay away. Green means uh, you're, you're, my horse is going to run off if you come up on my butt. You probably won't be in trouble, but I'll be bolting. And then white means I'm ready for this thing to go to your barn. So there we go. <laughs> so yes, what do these actually mean? <laughs> this one will kick you. This one will mount you. This one will <laughs> bolt with me. And then the other one is this one needs to get the hell out of my At barn. At my barn, yeah. It's going to be a really bad ad by Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to post that. There's actually a uh, color graphic chart that we'll use as our picture of the day. But again, I didn't realize that people didn't know what these were. So consider yourself educated. I wish I had French braid as well as these photos because it's a really really nice, nice tight. (laughs) I can't even braid. (laughs) Uh, All right. And by the way, the ribbon doesn't doesn't have to be 12 feet long either. Doesn't have to be dragging the ground. Just has to be, you know, visible so that people can see it in the tail. 
Let's hear about WinTech, and then we're going to go to our first guest of the day. Coach Jen here, HRN Chaos Control Officer and host of the Horse Tip Daily Show here on Horse Radio Network. Longtime Horse Radio Network fans know that I'm a big fan of WinTech saddles. I've been riding in them for about 20 years now. Whether I'm eventing, showing in dressage, or fox hunting, or hitting the trail at an endurance competition, I know my saddle fits my horse, and it's going to hold up to the toughest conditions and look great doing it. You may be wondering exactly which saddle do I use for this varied group of disciplines? Well, WinTech makes saddles for every discipline. That's how. I have several. And WinTech doesn't sit on their laurels. Range, so head out to your local tax store and have a sit-in one. Or you can contact your favorite online retailer, arrange a test ride, or check them out online at wintechsaddles.us. Well, Jamie, there was some news, Olympic news, that came out just this morning, broke right before the show, and that is uh, show-jumping champion Eric Lamaz out of Canada has withdrawn for consideration from the Olympic Games. Now, they're not doing a team this year. They didn't qualify to have a team, so they were allowed to send one individual, and they have five athletes that have been shortlisted, uh, and he was one of the obviously predominant ones. But... He withdrew because of health reasons, and I kind of forgot about this. Do you remember a while back we talked about the fact that they found out he had a brain tumor and has been undergoing treatment for that? Well, he's still been showing and doing his thing. This was three years ago that they announced that, believe it or not. And I kind of forgot because he's been showing, he's been winning, he's been doing his thing up there in Canada, but he's still undergoing treatment for this brain tumor, and he decided that, or his medical team, and he decided that it wasn't worth the risk to go to Tokyo, a lot of stress and being away from his medical care that long, you know, in Tokyo. So he just decided not to go. And he cited as a second reason, and and remember, he led the Canadian team to a silver medal at the uh, 2008 Beijing Olympics, and he went on to uh, win the individual gold, he was riding Hickstead. So he won the gold in 2008. Um, but, you know, then and then the team with him leading it came in fourth in or in uh, the 2016 Olympic Games. So, they you know, they've done pretty well with him leading the way. But he also said that I don't really want to go if there's not a team going. I go because I like being part of the team. Aww. I don't want to go as an individual. So, he, you know, there was a lot of considerations there, but he, but he bowed out, and probably wisely so, with everything he's got going on there. And he has yeah. nothing to prove anymore, right? I mean, he's proved it all <laughs> over yeah. the years. He's one of the winningest show jumpers ever. So, Yeah, so, he has nothing to prove. Yeah, and we wish him well, uh, and uh, hope he continues to ride and, and to get better. One other quick story. And the reason I bring this one up, we don't usually do loose horses, except this was where Jemmy lives. Our producer, Jemmy, lives in Boynton Beach, Florida. (laughs) And I don't know if she was involved in this, but um, apparently uh, there was a loose horse on Saturday morning on Aberdeen Drive and Haverville Road. Uh, It was a pony who apparently got, I didn't know there were any horses in Boynton Beach, to be honest, so it must have been somebody's backyard. I don't know. Uh, But according to the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office, it took two hours for road deputies, mounted deputies, and animal control to corral the pony. Whoa. 
<laughs> two hours. It, it's been transported to uh, Animal Control's facility to check it out. So there's no owner. Nobody knows. It wasn't like somebody was like, hey, my pony got loose and they're running down and the this, road. It's I just, saw the picture. This was a little pony. I mean, this little pony was probably darting in and out of yards and through driveways and parking lots. And he was like, you're not catching me. <laughs> oh my goodness they had time to get the mounted deputies there that's how long this went on wow. so so yeah that was in Boynton Beach I have to ask Jemmy if she was involved in that in any way if that was at her her place but yeah I didn't know there were any ponies down there it's pretty built up in that area down there near Palm Beach but it is right outside of Wellington so maybe the pony went for a real real uh, what do they call that in Australia when, walkabout walkabout yes <laughs> went for a real walkabout well, let's go to our first guest. She's our resident lawyer. Her name is Julie Firstman, and she wrote a book that everybody will want to read if you're interested at all in equine law and horse sense, and that's what the name of the book was. Well, hi, Julie. Welcome back to the show. Well, hello there. Thanks for having me back. So the, a topic, a conversation came up in our auditor room, which is kind of our listener private Facebook room. And the question came up that I haven't quite seen it worded this way. And this, this listener actually had a horse that did something. I don't know what the something was, but apparently the horse injured the barn owner where she was boarding the horse. And the barn owner blamed the owner of the horse saying, this is your problem. And I, I've never heard that where I always thought, because we had ran a boarding stable, that if I brought horses in and they, you know, one of them, one of those horses hurt one of us, which happened all the time, by the way, uh, that it was our problem because we were running the boarding stable. This particular boarding stable owner was coming back at the owner of the horse saying, you brought me a dangerous horse to take care of. So th this just was an interesting one that I'd never thought about before. So, so where do we go with this one? This has happened before. There was a case out of Indiana. I think it was called Hardin versus Christie. Horse trainer was injured training someone's horse and sued the owner. And this was back before Equine Liability Acts, but case dismissed. And it was dismissed on the basis of assumption of risk. The court said, come on, you're a horse trainer. You know that there are risks. You know about what horses are capable of doing. Case thrown out. And that was years ago. More recently, a similar case. Um, not by a trainer, but by a farrier who died while he was doing his job. And it was in California. He sued the, um, I think the horse owner or the facility where the horse was kept. And his case was thrown out um, on the basis of assumption of risk. The courts in California found it hard to sympathize with professionals in the industry who get hurt from typical risks associated with horses. Now, these are just two examples, but I've worked on a case like this, too, um, there are a lot of different angles to look at it, and uh, the, the, frankly, if you are a boarding stable, and you know you should expect these things to happen. Hopefully, you uh, you have health insurance, and you're okay. Now, let's do a little twist on this, Glenn. Okay. What if the boarder comes in and knows that this horse is a holy terror, and the very first day that the stable's um, let's say you know assistant comes in to remove the horse to clean the stall or take the horse out to the pasture. This horse turns his rump and within seconds starts kicking violently and someone gets hurt. But the owner knew this and didn't tell anybody. That is a different situation in my opinion 
because this horse is effectively a weapon of de- of destruction, and the owner <laughs> dangerous knows it. Weapon, weapon of mass <laughs> That's destruction. <right>. Weapon. <laughs> the mass destruction weapon. So, um, one thing I recommend for stables is in your boarding contract, um, you know, aside from a release uh, from the border to you, which is different from what we're talking about here. Have the border tell you if the horse has any unique propensities or risks. Get that information known for your own protection. Um, and if you are the horse owner, even if you own the Holy Terror horse, would be worth it to consider purchasing a policy of personal horse owner's liability insurance. In addition, of course, to telling people, uh, by the way, my horse is, is very dangerous. Uh, so these are just a couple of things that can be done. But yeah, this has been litigated, and I've been in the middle of these cases. What happened? Can, are you allowed to say what happened in the trainer case you were dealing with? Absolutely. The case I was dealing with involved a boarder who traded services for reduced board. She wasn't exactly a regular stable worker. And one day she was feeding a horse. It was a gelding, very docile in his 20s. He had heaves, you know, the heaves respiratory condition. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of uh, quiet and, and uh, almost uh, you know, so laid back. He kept away from people. For reasons unknown, however, when she was feeding him, he bit off her pinky finger. Mm. And I don't know why. And her argument was, well, he has heaves, so he's dangerous. But that never quite got anywhere. Where that went, though, is uh, the stable had no release from her, uh, for any boarders, for that matter. So when the lawsuit came in and I got it, I was looking for the stable's contracts and releases, which would be signed by boarders like this injured person. There wasn't one. So stables might want to consider it, as I mentioned. What ended up happening, though, is after getting information, testimony, um, the court refused to throw the case out, so the parties resolved it. The judge felt that the case needed to go to a jury. This was just before the Equine Liability Act was passed, so we're going back to the 90s, of course, and um, this is what happened. We, uh, we resolved the case, but there was a certain amount of um, credit, if you will, given to the stable, credit in a financial sense, because the horse was, you know, just dealing with horses was a risk. And even this boarder who was trading services knew that the horse that bit her finger off had no history of biting. That was pretty significant. So that one got resolved. But nevertheless, there were expensive medical bills and uh, somebody had to pay that. And in this case, it was resolved. The stable was sued. Horse owner was sued by the uh, boarder who was trading services. Uh, So as I mentioned, workers' comp is a good thing for the stable to have. A lot of stables don't do it. The horse owner can purchase, and they actually did in this case, personal horse owner's liability insurance, and that's a great protection for the uh, horse owner. The injured worker, well, if the injured worker isn't sure if they're an independent contractor or an employee, they can have health insurance, or the stable can make sure they have it too. Um, Sorry to make things a little complicated, but I will add one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. Let's say, hang in there, Glenn, let's say that the stable has workers' compensation insurance. And let's say the injured worker who was hurt from a boarded boarded horse uh, took advantage of that insurance and got their medical bills paid, lost wages, all those things that you get from workers' comp. That injured worker, believe it or not, can turn around and sue the horse owner whose horse caused the problem. So injured worker collects workers' comp, but under the law of many states, they can go after the one who caused the problem. So the horse owner is still at risk in these circumstances. Um, 
interesting scenario. Many feel that they'll get the injured worker gets workers comp and they accept it and we're done. Not necessarily. Hmm. Jamie, by the way, and are you th- so I know stressful. what you're thinking about because we talk. It's post show on Fridays. What you're thinking about? We're going to talk about this again on the post show today because this directly relates to what we talked about. We're not getting into it now, but um, so so. Yeah, but see, when, when a dangerous horse comes to me, I know it's dangerous. Sometimes, you know, like uh, well, uh, here's the clue to me. So I train horses, is what I do, Julie. And so this horse comes to me for training, and it's a, another local trainer that sent me the horse. And I know that if another trainer is sending me a horse, it's bad. It's got a problem. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> but there's nothing in writing about that. It's just my own intuition and, and experience that I've had, which is this is this is kind of how it goes. Now, it's a totally different thing when you're lied to, which is kind of a, a little bit of the situation. But we don't need to talk about that. Now, it's not about me. It's all about these people. So say I have a border. And I, I, I'm just the own employee. Like I'm the, I run this farm. I have a border and the border's horse hurts me. And they've, they've signed a riding release, but what, what happens then? They've signed a release that says they won't sue you, but that doesn't stop you. I suppose from suing them. Um, well, a lot of factors, but that comes this. back to what you were talking about—the assumed yeah. assumption of the, the assumed. You're assuming that it's dangerous. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so you've had that case, and that case was closed. This is, and then so, so what happens if my? Oh, because they've signed a release saying they won't sue me. If they go out to get their horse and they get hurt by another horse in the pasture, I'm still safe if they've signed a release. Well, as long as the release is enforceable, as we've talked about, I think, or we can make a topic for another show. Some things just plain can't be released away, and some states don't like releases. Um, I should note, too, the two cases that I shared with you, the Hardin versus Christie, uh, Indiana case of the trainer whose case got thrown out, and the Barrett versus Leach case out of, uh, out of California, where the Farrier's case got thrown out, those states didn't have an Equine Liability Act. California still doesn't. Indiana didn't at the time. Now we'd be looking at the Equine Activity Liability Act. And there are some interesting exceptions we don't need to get into right now. Uh, but fair to say that the assumption of risk concept may have been kind of molded differently. The Equine Liability Act takes over now. It talks about inherent risks in many states, and then it talks about providing horses, failing to make reasonable and prudent efforts, um, things of that type, which may or may not apply here. So those statutes have made things a lot more complicated. I have had, and maybe this is what you were looking and asking about, um, I've had a few people call me over the years and hire me because they do have a holy terror horse, and they want people to know from the horse hauler to the trainer to the assistants this thing is dangerous, and they will have people sign a release. But it also includes a lot of disclosures about what this horse has been yes, doing. Yes, that, that would be. I would. More you need than one of those, release. Jamie. I would love to sign a release if somebody would disclose everything to me. That would be fantastic. <laughs> well, that's the flip side then for trainers and stables to open that dialogue and make it a requirement, a strict requirement, that all propensities and histories of the horse, you know, any um, anything unique anything dangerous be disclosed right now and you leave the lines on that document to be filled out. And, and if you really, if it matters to you, you can uh, take it a little further 
and say a stable trainer or whoever has presented that paper is relying on the full compliance with this request or a full and complete response. So you're letting them know, hey, lay it on me. I'm ready to hear it from you. And um, it'll make clear to these people that uh, candor and detail is what you want. So, you know, that might be the the way to protect yourself, among other things, like your own insurance, too. I, you know, getting back to this original scenario where we had a boarder whose horse hurt the farm owner, and then the farm owner was coming back at her saying, you know, pay the medical bills and stuff. And, and you know, obviously, what we're kind of saying here is that the farm owner probably doesn't have a leg to stand on. But practically, I mean, you know, they can say to the to the boarder, you know, get your horse the hell out of here tomorrow. You know, there there are things that the farm owner can do, and one is get rid of the, get the horse out of there um, if. He, if he thinks that the, he or she thinks that the horse is dangerous to other people to barn too, um, so you know practically there's there's always a difference between things you can do practically and then things that go to court, right? I mean, you true you have two different scenarios there because and in Florida we have the signs you hang up that says basically there are horses here you have to put it by the gate and then yeah. one again at the barn. So there's two places in Florida we have to put it by the gate where people come in to the property mm-hmm. and one at the barn and you know basically says anybody coming onto this property assumes a risk because there's horses here. That is interesting well, though. I'm really excited to hear they they to, about that. You know what? Like you have to disclose everything to me. And I do have a form that people fill out. It's not legally binding. It's just like a hey, please you tell me You should have a training everything. agreement. Yeah, yeah, no, I do. Okay. And that's what I'm saying. In this, in this training agreement, it says, hey, tell me everything about the horses. And some people have not been completely honest. And that would put them in a liability state, I think. Or would Cheat have to have, you know, tell me what's wrong about the horse and have that extra paragraph that says, if you doesn't, if you don't, you're liable. Would that need to yeah. be in that agreement? Your lawyer would have to be the one okay. to uh, deal with the details. But I think what you're talking about is something in a clause that says, we are not only relying on you, uh, but um, we will, uh, your failure to provide important details, if determined to be false, can give us grounds to make a claim against you. I guess Ooh, the theory wow. would be almost a fraud theory, fraudulent inducement. By telling you only a piece of the story, you said, hey, I'm game. I will enter into this training agreement. Uh, but you never would have done it had you known the true state of facts. So this and that is, is something fraud, right? That, I mean, it really is fraud. And and that's why fraud. people don't disclose stuff because yeah. they don't want you to not train their horse. But like, whew, I had a doozy this past week. <laughs> Whoa. So, well, the problem too is if it ever goes into a court, the, the court, uh, the judge who doesn't know anything about horses has this perception in their mind. And that is you're a trainer. Aren't you supposed to be dealing with problem horses? Don't go complaining to me, the judge, if <laughs> you got hurt doing what you do. But, you know, it's all a matter of degree. Some people love the uh, bucking bronco kind of horses, and they love colt starting for that reason. I don't uh, quite get it. And then there are others who want to deal with refining, polishing, and they want a horse that is less risky. So it's a matter of degree, and that, mean, that means any contract, if you're going to be setting up a horse owner for potential fraud, it really needs attention, and this is one that I strongly suggest that a lawyer draft. And, and Jamie, I 
I suggest you put in there that each arm, each limb of yours is worth a million dollars and your life is worth 10. You put that in there. Good too. thing I'm not litigious. I would never, I would, I, too bad though. I'd be a millionaire. Julie would be my attorney. <laughs> Julie, this is fascinating stuff and, and really, really interesting and applies to everybody that owns a horse in one way or another, right? So um, how you have a book. Tell us about the book and where can people find that? And uh, two books, right? You have two now. Well, the latest one, and probably my last, is called <laughs> Equine Law and Horse Sense. And yes, I've drafted other books by that name, but those were years ago. The new one was published by the American Bar Association. It's about 367 pages. Oh, well. It includes a, a lengthy discussion, unlike any other book I've offered, uh, about different liabilities, contract uh, elements, and uh, issues involving relationships like boarding and training, and how to avoid disputes. And then it ends with a discussion state-by-state state of the Equine Liability Acts and how these statutes affect your contracts and what you do to comply. So I'm hoping the book is of use to many people. It doesn't include form contracts, but you understand why. What works in Florida may not work in California. Every state has differences. Where do they find it, Julie? Oh, thank you. Uh, Amazon.com. Uh, you can pull up Equine Law and Horse Sense. Look for the beautiful Bay horse on the cover, and uh, it's ready to, to be purchased. All right, very good. And we'll put a link to that in our show notes, too, if you want to go uh, purchase that book. Thank you, Julie. It's always fascinating and uh, important that we have you on. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me back. All right, send the Thank bill you. to Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, <laughs> at horseradionetwork.com. She handles all our billings. I'll add a few zeros. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, do that, Julie. Appreciate Let's wrap it. this up. She charges by the minute. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. Thanks, Bye -bye. Julie. Bye. Bye. Well, Cavallo Track hoof boots are made for rain, streams, puddles, and mud. Along with incredible comfort, your horse's feet will enjoy maximum breathability, superior drainage, quick-dry boots that are always ready for your next ride. We use these on Scooter I have for the last eight years. Uh, my pony has never been shod, yet he's a driving pony, so we go out on the road, and most of the time, I'll put front boots on him. Sometimes, if it's going to be rocky, or we're going to a place that's a little off the beaten path, and I don't know what the terrain's going to be, I'll put all four on him. But they fit perfectly. They have so many different sizes, from all the way from mini to draft horse sizes. And God, I've seen the draft horse ones, Jamie, and they are huge. <laughs> Just so big. Wow. They are huge. But these boots really do work. They last a long time. I recommend them. They don't twist around like some of the boots. Uh, they're put on with Velcro, and for some reason, the Velcro lasts forever. I don't know. They give you an extra Velcro, but I've never used the extra Velcro on any of them. Uh, these are definitely worthwhile. They have a lot of traction, and I really have had no trouble in the rain or mud or anything with these boots. I can't talk about snow. We live in Florida, so I don't know about snow. But uh, check them out today and you can get 20% off just for listeners of this show. It's cavallo-inc.com and I'll put a link in our show notes, cavallo-inc.com. Use the coupon code HRN for 20% off your next order. So 20% substantial. HRN cavallo-inc.com. Okay, before we get to first world problems, I have a I have a breaking news update. Uh-oh, what's sort. that? Okay, so you know how I told you I put Digital software was this beautiful bay horse that was running at um, Belmont oh, Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 
Yeah. So uh, I, I'm like, that's it. Because he was the one, there's no lip chain on him. He was just like walking around. They had like a, a uh, lead rope clipped his halter. Like he's just super chill walking around. I was like, oh my God, I'd love him. So digital software. So I'm like, I'm going to go find out who owns him. He came in second. So he might have a little bit more career, but if he's going to retire, I want to find him and I'm going to message the owner trained by Chad Brown. And the owner is a guy that runs Clarevich Stables. So I look him up, Seth Klarman or Clareman. Um, he's like a multi-billionaire and I, <laughs> and I, he has over a hundred horses in training with Chad oh, Brown. Miss one. And well, I'm like, there's no way to get a hold of him. There's no way he's a billionaire. He's like, it's like, let me just send a message to Jeff Bezos. Okay. <laughs> uh, it should be fine. This guy has had horses like bricks and more. I had horse in the Derby. He's got, like horses everywhere. He's ridiculous. I mean, he has had bricks and mortar cloud computing, all the, all of these crazy, like grade one stakes winner, eclipse awards finalist. And I'm just like, Hey, my name is Jamie. And I really need your horse. It's pretty. <laughs> uh, there's nowhere to get a hold of him. He has no Facebook Sounds page. Like a first there's world no problem, Jamie. Well, Website, there's no <laughs> nothing. Okay, play first for problems. I'll get it going. I'll get it started. It's time for the weekly look at your equestrian first world problems. This ought to be good. I mean, for real. Okay, so remember, equestrian first world problems are actual people's real, real problems that they have put together um, for the show. And so it's it's um, on Sundays or Monday mornings. This, I think it was Monday morning at 4 a.m. I posted it, and it was a post that's asking you to share your equestrian first world problems. It is in the auditor's Facebook page, so if you want to contribute to equestrian first world problems, you become an auditor. Glenn, how do they do that? Go to horseradionetwork.com, scroll down the right-hand side of the page, and click on the auditor banner. For as little as $3 a month, you can join the party. And by the way, that $3 a month is helping everybody involved. So thank you for being a part of it. Anyway, so check this out. My equestrian first world problem is that the horse that I really thought was pretty that raised to Belmont Park is owned by like a multi-billionaire. And I can't get a hold of him because <laughs> he's too famous. <laughs> I'll give you his number. Just tell me who it is. I'll send you the number. I'm gonna I'm gonna make some calls call today. <laughs> Let me call this Billy. I'll tell him I, he's an investment guy. So I'll call his office and say I've got some money to invest. I and have like, ten really? billion dollars. I need to invest tomorrow. Or I'll be back. like, you know what? I have thirty seven dollars, and I would like to <laughs> see what you can do with it. And by the way, I really like that horse digital software. By the way, how many of you have looked it up now? Just so you know, digital software and uh, the other one was, well, I can't remember his name, uh, but that's the one I really liked. Okay. Anyway, let's moving on. Let's move on. <laughs> let's moving on. Is that a thing? Okay. Ready? Jillian says, my young horse was so good this weekend. Did some really solid groundwork and we nailed his second trail ride, but I spent so much time with him that I didn't have time to ride my other horse. <laughs> They just have too many horses. Too many oh horses. Uh, Patty says, we got our nicer pasture fence fixed. So now the horses have access to like more grass and like more living space. But it's far enough away that they don't just come to the barn and have to like walk out there and call them. <laughs> Every time I go to get Jennifer's horse, which is in the back of the 11 acre farm, he's always in the farthest corner he can get to. And he just stares at me walking across the field. Like, yes, no! she doesn't even have to walk. So she actually has to. <laughs> 
call them twice a day to come in for grain. It's annoying. Uh, TJ said it was her horse's birthday yesterday, and she didn't even have time to throw him a birthday party. <laughs> I'm planning a, a birthday party for an eight-year-old. So fun. Um, Carrie says, I can't go horse camping that I planned to go on. She said, I can't go on a horse camping weekend that I had planned in a few weeks because I have to go on an all expenses paid work trip to the Virgin Islands. Ah, who does that anymore? I thought there was no more all expenses paid trips for work to islands. Wow. I mean, it, no, I wouldn't, <laughs> I need to know. I feel like this has been her problem before, so I feel so sorry for her. Tough job she's got there. Jenna says, I had a beautiful custom brow band made for my elegant mare, and it's pink and burgundy clear crystals and matches my burgundy show jacket perfect. But I sold my mare, and it doesn't look good on my colt. <laughs> Trust me, Stan Lee, had a, his first halter was pink. His first blanket was the light purple. Like, it's <laughs> just the way that it goes when you had everything bought for a filly and now you have a gelding. Uh, Elizabeth shed, says shedding season is over and now it is show season and mowing season and I just can't keep up. <laughs> Chad got a zero turn lawnmower and what used to take him like a oh, day. So nice. Oh my gosh. You can He's fly like, with those things. I'm going to go mow the 20 acres. I'll be back in 15. Yeah. They're so <laughs> nice. I can't believe he didn't have one before. Was he using a regular riding mower before? But we had three acres in Arizona. Oh. And and most of it was pasture. So he would just yeah. have a riding lawnmower for like Zero our little- Zero turns pasture. worth every penny. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so nice. Um, I'm afraid to drive it. I say it's nice. We have a tractor. I'm afraid oh, to drive that They're fun to too. drive. <laughs> Nothing is fun to drive <laughs> except for, I don't know, a car. <laughs> Anything else is scary. <laughs> Uh, I won't let Chad drive a golf cart. You're the only farm girl that doesn't know how to, doesn't drive a tractor. You realize that, right? That's because when I, okay, here's the backstory on that. And Chad, you can be listening. I went to equine management school at the Kentucky horse park. It used to be called Kentucky equine Institute. And every morning somebody would have to drive the tractor and go dump the manure from when we mucked off. That's part of school every morning. The teacher, the main instructor, would bring in an article about somebody dying because the tractor flipped over. <laughs> and she would, or losing a leg. She was just trying or, to get you to be careful. Exactly. Too far. <laughs> took it too far, Miss Stickney. Yeah, but people now, get killed in cars every day. You're not thinking about that. You're still driving your car around. Listen, this is no excuse. No excuse. Get on the damn tractor. I am scared of the tractor. I feel like it's going to tip over. And when my husband drives a golf cart, I feel like that's going to tip over. <laughs> well, you have a more likely chance, actually, that the golf cart with your husband driving will tip over. Oh, he just yelled up, you're so brave. <laughs> <laughs> Here he is flying F-16s and you're worried uh, about the golf cart. <laughs> yes. Me, opposites attract, baby. Opposites attract. He's the F-16 pilot. I'm afraid to you're even training these crazy horses that will kill you in an instant and you're worried about no, the golf cart. No, Your job is so much more dangerous than mine. I'm like, no, it's not. Okay. Um, I love this one, Matt. Oh, you know what? I'm going to save Matt's for last because I think it's right, we just... We have time for two or three more. Okay. Um, Aaron says that spring arrived in Vermont. So we rode 20 miles this weekend, 20 miles. And I had a little knee pain. So now I have to order stability stirrup leathers. <laughs> Our sponsor. <laughs> thanks you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, Anna says it's finally warm here in Minnesota, but now I need to go buy sunscreen. Cause my trainer tan lines are already terrible. <laughs> 
<sighs> Let's see. Um, By the way, we're supposed to hit a hundred next week. No, yes. well, you're in, in May. <laughs> like super rainy here. It's May here. Um, two, two more. Chelsea says I have a whole week off of work, and the after the most horrendous tax season ever. Oh wait, hold me start over. I have a whole week off of work after the most horrendous tax season ever. And I don't know which pony I want to ride and drive. <laughs> we know what she does for a living. <laughs> <laughs> yup. <laughs> um, and then finally, Matt. Oh, Matt. The irony is strong in this one. He says, I got a big horse tattoo on my chest yesterday. And now it's hurting feeding the horses this morning because my tattoo is <laughs> sore. <laughs> fantastic that tattoo on his chest that's making a statement here's the thing matt photos or it didn't happen okay (laughs) thank you you. have to shave your chest before you get the tattoo i don't because i don't but i I wonder if you do (laughs) matt i want to know do you have to shave first i would think they shave at all the the places do they they like i never got a tattoo i don't know these things well, it's about time. Does it hurt like Are hell you- after I imagine where? Why do you think I never got a tattoo? I'm, I have enough pain in my life. I don't need that. I have a very tiny tattoo, and and it's like a very tiny outline, and then it was colored in, and it hurt so bad I had to come back for the color, and it's literally an inch long, and it hurts. <laughs> it felt like somebody. Here's what getting a tattoo feels like, and some people like it, and those people are weird. Those people also like driving tractors. Is it feels like somebody put a razor blade in your skin, like plunged it in, and just slowly started cutting. Yeah, that is what are it feels addicted like. to that. Yeah, I know. And yeah. God love them. They're tougher than I am. I've had pain in life. I don't need any more. All right. Let's go to Deanne from Horse Nation for her visit. Glenn needs a tattoo. You guys send him some uh, <laughs> yeah. photos. Yeah, send it to jamie at horseradionetwork.com. Of the appropriate. You know what? I'm going to put a post on the uh, Horses in the Morning Auditor's Facebook page and say, hey, what's your suggestion for tattoos for Glenn? Because <laughs> you're going to get one. It's Monday. That means it's time for Horse Nation to stop by with some cleverly written horse stories. Or just some silly nonsense. It's that time again where we welcome Deanne from Horse Nation to the show. Hello, Deanne. Hello. How are you today? I am good. I think Glenn picked out an article because I think he thinks we're going to argue about it, but we might not argue about it. <laughs> it's it's an article that you wrote called Let, and this is on horsenation.com, Let Your Child Lose, Teaching Sportsmanship. Uh, tell us a little bit about the article. Yeah. So I, um, my daughter, my oldest daughter had her first little like hunter jumper schooling show a couple weeks ago. Um, and let me just a little bit of background. Like she's done some fun shows on a pony before where like there weren't very many people in her class. So everybody got a ribbon and like, whatever, this was her first show where it was a big enough class that not everybody's going to pin. And, you know, and she's done various sports, but we totally like live in this participation trophy atmosphere. So of course Mm -hmm. she's always gotten medals and ribbons, whatever. So this is really her first experience with not necessarily getting a prize for being there. Um, which I totally support by the way, like I'm very big on. That's how we grew up, you know, things, right. When did that participation thing start? 
like 10, 15 know. years ago, maybe. After the 80s, for sure. Yeah, it wasn't my time either. I lost a lot. <laughs> I don't think I knew how to win. I think that... I never really figured that out. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a little. Just before we get into the article, a little deeper, the the perspective of what it was like in my house. Yeah. And so, um, I went to my first horse show. With it, 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 everything about this article, except for your children wearing masks, was very similar. And it was one of those horse shows where, like, you know, there's seven people in every class, and it, they pen to six. You know, so there's oh, like one far. person, and it was my first show. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I was seventh in every single class. But of course, daddy had written a check because I was like, you know, freaking nine. And I come home and I walk in the door. My mom comes in with me and my dad goes, well, where's that big truckload of ribbons I've paid all that money for? <laughs> and I could see my mom going, like the whole like cut, like snail on the <laughs> and that is the the experience that I had. Um, so, how was it but, you for know what? your? No, I could picture myself saying the same thing if I had been if I had had kids. I probably would have said the same thing. <laughs> well, that's because you and my dad are morons. So. <laughs> And insensitive. Go ahead. Oh, and you're going to hear my dog yawning behind me. But, um, but you know, so here's the thing. And I walk in, like, I don't believe in participation awards. Like, you have to earn it, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, standing there watching your kid not get her number called and her little face, even behind the mask, like, just falling. Like, you can see the heartbreak. And, you know, I can logically be like, no, this is good for her. This is what I believe all I want. But like watching, it's really, really hard. Oh my God. Um, and especially like my oldest is pretty fragile. Like she, it, she struggles with feelings or ha having a lot of them in general. So like, of course it's this kid. <laughs> she's yeah. The new term for that is she's sensitive. Yeah, she's sensitive. And I and the poor thing has me as a mother. And I'm like, I don't know, like, you're fine. <laughs> Shake it off. Walk Shake, it off. Rub some dirt on it and move on. But um, but you know, it it was I felt so bad for her, but I really, as I as I walked away, like I really was like, you know, this is this is one of the best things for her. Like she really and I wasn't just like doing like sour grapes, we didn't want the ribbon anyway. Like I really spent some time thinking about it. Like I, you know, I was like, this is you have to learn to lose to learn to be a good winner, you know? And I think or, and also to like learn to try harder next time. And, and, you know, like, of course we had a conversation when we got home and she was still upset where she was like, why do I even have to post on the right diagonal anyway? Like that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom didn't help who like, we had horses when we were growing up, but like backyard owners who was like, well, aren't you trotting on like some diagonal, even if it's the wrong diagonal, like you're getting out of the way of some hip. And I was like, mom, like, like just, I finally was like, look, it's cause they say it's what's right. Like that was after trying to explain, like after getting out of the way of like the inside hip and blah, blah, blah. And they both stared at me blankly. And I finally was like, it's a judged event, except that this is the rule. <laughs> I like that. That's so crazy. So you're like, listen, you have to do this because that's what you do in showing. And your mom's like, I know, right? Posting is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> mom, you're so not you're, helping. So she's probably the one who's in charge I of like the participation your mom. ribbons. <laughs> like, no, I get it though. So my son does karate. 
And he has, has tested now eight, has had to go to eight tests for a belt and they have to do all these certain things completely 100% correct, or they don't get the scores to pass the test. But the very end of it is they have to spar, which is they put on the headgear and the, the hand things and the foot things. And they basically beat the ever living crap out of each other and like get points for it. And every little boy's dream right there. (laughs) Yeah. But some of them like he, he, this last test last weekend, this kid came in, it was not karate. It was like, his team was all throwing haymakers (laughs) over the hand, like arms coming up. And I'm just like, that's not fair. He's not doing it right. And the, the sensei is like, could you please sit down? Like, <laughs> and I'm like, but he's throwing wrong punches. He's not even doing karate. He just hit my baby in the face. I'm looking like, are you crying? Come here, baby. Come here. I'm so sorry. That kid's so mean. He's the worst. I'm like, God, there and kick his butt, you know. And like you said, but then the the, the sensei after the and karate test, kid and the first one here. <laughs> yeah, he's up, Danielson. Uh, so I like at the end the, the next day when I came in, he was like, okay, so I think we need to talk about sometimes letting the kids fail and letting them lose and letting them get punched because they learn to not give up. They learn to keep going. If they're going to give up, this is not the sport for them. And your, your kid is going to learn to get up, shake it off and keep going. And I'm like, but he was hurt. So like, I get it. Like, I want to be that cool parent like you were, but like, I'm still a big softy and I want my baby to like, have a good experience. Well, and and I even said in the article, I go, cause I, cause like watching it, I even had this moment of like, oh, it's the first show. Like maybe participation ribbons would be good just this once. And then I was like, who am I? Like, <laughs> and you know, and watch. I will say that like, you know, I, my daughter then like went, came with me to my barn and was like riding my horse a little bit. And I tell you what, she was getting the correct diagonal more than she was. I saw her checking and trying to fix it. And, you know, and she's little and she doesn't, and she's just starting. And even though she looks, she doesn't always know what she's looking for, but I'm like, okay, like, there you go. So now we're trying harder. Now we're working harder. Like those are the important things. Like that's the lesson you want. Yeah. I got to tell you though, I'm going to come from the other side because I, I played some sports when I, and I never won anything. So there's that side too, and that's kind of demoralizing. <laughs> when, <laughs> you know, I'd come in second, but I, or you know, in wrestling, occasionally I would win by luck. Uh, but most of the time, I was, I was getting like, my ass like, kicked. Is it coming second in wrestling? <laughs> yeah, that's second. not good either. Yeah, so uh, tennis, I, I did a little bit better at, but uh, yeah, so it's kind of depressing to be on the other side of that too. You know, it's, and it's sad it to be a parent. And I struggle, but I will say with like my oldest, especially she's the type of kid, like she played basketball this year and there was this team that just had like a better skill set than hers. So it was never like, like her team just wasn't going to beat them and that's fine. But she's the kid who comes away rather than being like, oh, wow, that team was really good. She comes away and she's like, oh, they cheated. And I was like, uh, I actually just think they got more baskets than you did. (laughs) (laughs) And so like for her, I feel like kind of having those discussions and I'm not trying to be like all morally superior here. It's just like something that I sat with after the fact that I was like, you know what? Like she needs this, like this kid doesn't get anything out of going and, you know, getting a ribbon because she was there. Like she needs to sort of have this discussion and, and realize that there are certain things that, like that you can control and that you can work 
for and and even more importantly that like someone else's success does not necessarily mean that they like didn't earn it yeah yeah no you're you this article is very good it is an interesting uh, read for sure horsenation.com is where you can find it and uh yeah it's it's just being a parent is is hard and and i understand the participation ribbons because you do want your little baby to have a good time but yeah you're right you just have to just go you know what that's part of it and and the ones that do say well they cheated no that is that's not like that kid who was throwing haymakers at my kid he was totally cheating (laughs) (laughs) but like sometimes you can only you can only control what's within your control right like you can't control the other person you can control your reaction the sensei called you out on it (laughs) totally and and i was like he was cheating but you know what i didn't say that to my kid i wasn't like oh my god he was cheating you're right i was like no he just was a little aggressive and he got it done but in my head i'm like that little bastard cheating. <laughs> you know, here's a question. I thought like when you sparred in karate or like other like organized fighting, I thought they like called you out for penalties or is that not a thing? They do. So they'll, they'll be like a break, you know, they'll sub break. And then this kid, every time he would say, the sensei would say break, he would like throw like an overhand punch on the top of oh. his head or in the face. And, 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 and so that's what I talked to the sensei about because I was like, come on, like, that's ridiculous. And he was like, sometimes they don't hear the break. And I'm like, he heard it. <laughs> <laughs> but, like I had him. Like, like, you were, like you were sparring with the sensei who could like take you out with one little punch. He, he trained with <laughs> Chuck Norris and he's old now. I can beat him up. <laughs> No, yeah, it's true. You say that. And this kid is going to be the bully on the bus, the one he was fighting against. You know, yeah, yeah. he's going to be the bully on the bus. I mean, he was. Just... And, and and Lucas is going to have to learn to deal with people yes. like that and hopefully yeah. just learn to de- to block. That's what I told him. I was like, you know what? You need to learn to block those and come back, you know, at and with something else. So, yeah, there was definitely Boy, the uh, there's a referee kid thing. in there. The whole movie just flashed before my eyes. It's, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. So, exactly. wait, so did you set up a tree stump in your backyard for Lucas to, like, balance on and, like, <laughs> Does he have kick? to wax the car, wipe on, wipe on? <laughs> I got to take him to the beach. He can stand on the pier. On yeah. one leg. Oh, it was the pier. I was like, pre stump, pier, whatever. That's great. That's Thank you, Deanne. Yes. You know what? We got, we got to work harder. I can't use it. <laughs> Paint the fence, Lucas. Paint the fence. Bye, Deanne. Thank you. HorseNation.com. Bye. All right, we run out of time for today. Hang on for the post show. It's going to be a follow up to Friday's post show for all of you that listen to that. You're going to want to listen to this. Uh, And thank you, everybody, for joining us. We will be here tomorrow with the Certified Horsemanship Association episode. And then later in the week, we have fox hunting coming up. And Jamie's going to be here all week. So we have a full week of shows for you. Uh, And we appreciate you stopping by. You can catch all of the past episodes of Horses in the Morning on our website at horsesinthemorning.com. We have 20 different shows we do on horse radio network as well so go to horse radio network 20 and then scroll down the home page and you'll see all the different shows if you can't find one you like there you don't like horses because we got listen to retired racehorse radio that's me enjoy that's a good one jamie does that one it's very popular so you're going to listen to that one as well thank you to kem and equine for being our title sponsor today we appreciate them and that's it hold on auditors (laughs) 